Hi, you're listening to Overtired on ESN with Insomniac's Christina Warren and Brett Terpstra. How's it going, Christina? It's good. How are you, Brett? I'm 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 swell. I think it's you really think? cold here. <laughs> How cold is it? I actually don't know the real temperature, but the feels like temperature that the weather report gives you is negative eighteen. Wow, which is way warmer than last year, but still, we've had a really mild winter so far. In fact, we've had less snow than New York this year, but it snowed last night and I had to shovel the driveway today, and so I may be, I may be just as drunk as you need to be to shovel a driveway in Minnesota in negative 18 degree weather. It takes a certain amount of whiskey. Which actually makes complete sense. I would think that would take a certain amount of whiskey. So it's actually, it's like 51 degrees in New York right now. What? Um, I know, it's bizarre. But then tomorrow it's going to be like 37, and then it's going to be like 28, and then it's going to be like 20. So it the weather is weird. Yeah, anything low 20s and lower is is cold to me. Same. Like there's a, there's a point you hit at like negative maybe 40 where it's actually too cold to function. Well, actually probably negative 30. But between 20 above and 30 below, it's all just kind of freaking cold to me. It, totally. Totally. <laughs> so, it, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you. So this is weird breaking news, I guess. Uh, Stuart Scott, the ESPN anchor, died. That's gonna, too bad. I, I could pretend to know who that was and feel regret and remorse and sorrow. But you might have to explain it to me. I don't know. He, he was just, oh, I, he was diagnosed with cancer and I guess it had recurring bouts with the disease, but he was like a longtime anchor on ESPN. Like, he was just, he, damn. Cancer, I feel bad for anyone involved with. I don't have to know who they are. Cancer sucks. Totally. So bad. Too many people. Well, how have we not cured cancer yet? That's what I'm saying. And then they, and then like this, this study came out this week that apparently like most cancers are just bad luck. <laughs> well, I mean, if I look back on my life and all of the things they told me caused cancer growing up, there are really only one or two of those things that are actually like still believed to cause cancer. And I do think it's really the vast majority of cancers are in fact bad luck. Or luck of the draw. Right. But right. I will never have a problem getting a boner thanks to modern medicine. But uh, my friends and family still die off regularly. And for all I know, I will thanks to cancer. And while treatments are getting better, I really feel like we should have started to really nip this in the bud by now. I'm with you. I mean, I guess that if I was... Cynic, and I suppose I am because I'm going to kind of be saying this: is that they get so much money from the treatment of the cancers oh, that that they don't. There's not as much of an incentive to actually have a cure. I know it's it's actually I mean, I, really I, sick. I, it's really. I mean, sick. I hate to like say that, but at the same time, like that kind of makes more sense. Oh, it's totally true. Like you you can't argue against that because there it's a huge huge industry selling the treatments for cancer. Whereas exactly. if someone fixed it. We would not the the medical institutions would be out billions, right? the The human race would be far better for it, but that's not the primary concern, at least in America. Exactly, but but then it does it does beg the question. Okay, so what about countries where they don't have as much of a you know, um, the pharmaceutical complex. Yes. Right. You know, why haven't they done anything? You know I mean? There was a time when, when you could have places like France and, and, and places in Europe and even places in Asia that were really cutting edge, um, when it came to like medical research and they don't seem to be really doing anything either. Yeah. I, I, I can't explain. I wish I was smart enough to do it myself and I would. Totally. Totally would. Totally. Because like you, I've just I've seen too many people. We've lost too many people to it, and uh, it's awful. My calendar says we're recording overtired now. Is that the case? That is the case. Okay, good. My calendar's been a little fritzy lately. 
Yeah, mine too. Did you get like everybody's birthday on, on January 1st? <laughs> what is that? That's some sort of weird is Gmail it? bug, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to look into it because like I got like a million like notifications like from people like it's oh, so and so's birthday. Yeah. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> well, and I looked up some of them and it's, it's I same, actually do same. have their correct birthday in my calendar. See, that was the thing with me. Like some people were like, oh, it's because they don't have a ca- they don't have a birthday in there. I'm like, no, actually. That's, they do. That was my first thought. Maybe they all just like chose December 31st as their birthday because it was the default option. Right. But it was not universally the case. No, for most of mine, I actually had birthdays in there for them. And I was like, um, okay. That was really annoying, especially on my computer where I use like Fantastical. Same. And that list of birthdays just obliterated my entire like week. I know it was. It was one of those things I was like, I have to turn this off or something. I, yeah, okay. Disable the birthday calendar. I don't no, know. No, totally. I don't yeah. know why I keep it in my calendar. Because it's nice sometimes. Sometimes. But see, the thing is, most of the people I care about, I'm also friends with on Skype. Or I've talked to on Skype. And when their birthday comes up, Skype pops up their name and a little birthday candle and ask me if I want to send them Skype credit, which I never do, but right. then I know it's their birthday. Yeah. See, I don't I don't have Skype open that often, so I don't see that most of the time. I mean, and I might see things on Facebook, but then Facebook is just its own, you know, awfulness. So I kind of like the birthday calendar. And yeah, no, but it's the it was a weird bug. I, I it's funny because I've talked to a number of people who've had it, and it's like <laughs> everybody's birthday was on January first. Yeah, it's a crazy world we live in. It really is. So tell me about the amazing Taylor Swift mashup of the two best songs from '89. Oh my God! So 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 Taylor Swift's new album, 1989. Uh, my favorite two tracks are tracks two and three, um, style, uh, Blank Space and Style, and. Um, Blank Space is the current single. We're all hoping Style will be the next single. We'll see. But um, I have a feeling it might be um, out of the woods. But Style seems to be like the fan favorite right now. And um, this uh, this girl and, and her friend, this, this girl from Tennessee and her friend, did this amazing um, mashup um, arrangement of, of the two songs. And... Um, it's uh it's fantastical. We're gonna have it in the show notes and it's it's so good. Taylor Swift tweeted it tweeted out a link to it. It's been viewed like seven million times or something on on YouTube and um uh, the girls um EP, which doesn't include that song, like went to like the top five and like singer songwriters on iTunes after um, you know, just the, the, the tweet, the video. Um but no, it's a really, really good mashup. It's like a really good arrangement of the two songs. It's really, really solid. I didn't get a chance to listen to it before the show started. But looking at the intro, like the poster frame, I'm pretty sure I saw that one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm within those 7,359,000 views. Yeah, no, it's so good. It's just like, you know, like this, this girl and, and, and her, her, her male friend, but they're both, you know, singer-songwriters singing the, the two songs to one another. But the way they did the arrangement was really, really solid, um, which you don't often find in a lot of those covers. You know, they don't usually do their own arrangements, um, but but they did. And, and just the way that the songs match together, it's solid. So I, I'm calling it now. I think that this girl is probably going to wind up being um, a guest on one of Taylor's uh live shows like what you know like and in, in when she goes to tennessee or whatever i would be surprised if, if she brings that girl on stage i'm considering adding a feature to marked where it just uh occasionally sends uh, a, a taylor swift lyric to notification center and it just kind of pops <laughs> up because i need her to tweet or i need her to just mention my app what is it what does a developer have to do to get this a tweet from true. taylor swift that's true. That's Seven true. million views would literally make my life. Yeah. No. I mean, the, the, the I mean, not only that, but I mean, like the girls' EP, which doesn't even have the song on it, like went to like the top five <laughs> yes. for, for for that category. I mean, she was like up there. It was like, it was like Ed, Ed Sheeran was 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 ahead of her. Which okay makes sense, but she's like it's like the, she's like number two like in the iTunes charts. I mean, it's crazy. Can you imagine if she got into tech? Like we think of Fireball's a big deal. And oh, I'm not talking about like InfoSec Taylor Swift. I mean, if real no, Taylor Swift got Taylor into Swift, tech. Oh, it would be insane. It would be insane. <laughs> like, I don't, we don't even know. I mean, it, it, it'd be one of those things genuinely she could like make. Yeah. She'd make or break any app, any service. 
without just a doubt. A just point like, a finger. Just point a finger. Crash and, servers. Yep. Oh, it would it would be so crashed. It, like wouldn't even be funny. Like it would be one of those things. Like, I mean, it's to the point now that that she tweeted. She and Shonda Rhimes, the creator of of Grey's Anatomy and Scandal, apparently, I guess, had some sort of tweet back and forth with one another. And Shonda Rhimes was talking about how she was listening to 1989, and and Taylor Swift was geeking out about it, which makes sense because Taylor Swift named her cat Meredith Grey, so clearly she's a fan. <laughs> um, but this made news. Like, The Hollywood Reporter, I mean, obviously it was a slow news day, like, wrote about their Twitter exchange. I mean, that's, it, to me, I, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan, and I'm going, I wouldn't write that up. That's stupid. Who cares? But that just shows the power of this, of this, you know, phenomenon that, like, you know, two celebrities tweeting at one another suddenly becomes a news story. What do you think happens to someone in their childhood that would make them still appreciate Grey's after the third season? <laughs> that's a really good point after the fairy crash i don't know i don't know i don't know you know but uh i, I mean, was with it for like two seasons i thought I it was, was a pretty too. pretty well-written was a show. show it was a great show and then and then the whole fairy crash thing happened and she died and i was like ah this is lame yeah kinda, um, well it got to a point and i think i've said this before but it got to a point where my wife will watch it when she thinks i'm not paying attention like when I'm off working on something else, but I'll hear right. it in the background. And I have surmised that the show now consists of absolutely nothing but women crying. Yes. And men grieving over something. That's basically exactly what in it is. In a TV, a masculine TV kind of way. Just seems like everyone's distraught all the time. If the lesbians are very angry, the lesbian couple is, is, is very much in torment. And, and yeah, no, totally. And Christina Yang is gone now. And so that sucks. And I don't watch it anymore. But like I was having to watch ABC to see something um, for some sort of breaking news thing when the when the Ebola crisis was happening. And I was watching Grey's Anatomy for the first time in like two years. And I was I was in one of those positions where I was like, this is not good. I mean, and then, you know, I like Scandal. Um, Scandal comes on after Grey's. I love um, Scandal. I love scandal, but um, if if Shonda does the same crap that she did to to Grace at Scandal, I'm going to be really really mad. How many estrogen injections do you think go into writing an episode of Grace? <laughs> I don't know, but I don't have enough in my body. Like, and I'm <laughs> like, I, I yeah, I couldn't you know I mean? do it. I I, I couldn't do it either. Um, and that's kind of why one of the reasons why I've never really hated Katherine Heigl because she was kind of right when she was like, "Yeah, I don't deserve to be nominated for an Emmy this year because the show kind of sucked." Like that wasn't <laughs> like awesome. a, like that wasn't like a good thing for her to say like from a PR standpoint or like a political standpoint. But from a respect standpoint, I respect that. I was like, "You're honest. This is why everyone thinks you're a bitch and hates you because you call it like it is." But she was right. Like. And, you know, she won an Emmy for that show. Um, and they ruined the Izzy character. I was, I was kind of with her. I was like, dude, man, I, I would have been like, yeah, you know what? Don't nominate me. They've ruined my character. I don't want to be nominated <laughs> I anymore. I don't want it. I don't want your Emmy nomination. I don't want to have to pretend to grovel for this when, when this is what they did to me. Um, but no, I mean, and that's she's still fighting like the, like the, like the, like the bitch vibe because of that. But she wasn't wrong. <laughs> No, I totally respect that. So speaking of TV, I, I there are a couple directions I could go with that, but um, yeah. I want to talk about the Mindy Project. Yes, let's talk about the Mindy Project. I watched a couple episodes when it first came out, and yep. I did not like it. I right. thought it was annoying. I thought it was like her character from The Office. Yep, which annoyingness, is kind of her. annoyingness amplified. But now she's a doctor, right? And uh, it was um. It was just, I think last week, my wife started kind of binge-watching the whole series, and I ended up sitting in, and it turns out that show is really well-written. Oh, the it characters is. are well-developed. They like, are. Like, maybe, maybe I just got a taste of, like, early jitters for them. That's totally what it was, I think. But I kind of jumped in later in the first season. I've been watching it through, and it it was actually, it's hilarious. Like, I'm, I've fallen in love with some of the characters. Yeah. It's good. It is. Well, and she's she's such a good writer. Like, she's such a good writer. She wrote some of my favorite office, op, episodes of The Office. And, um, uh, like, like one of my all-time favorite episodes of The Office is uh, The Injury, which is when um, Michael grills his foot on the George Foreman grill right. and Dwight gets um, the concussion and, <laughs> and then acts like a nice person. And she wrote that episode. And she wrote the Dundies episode. 
Um, she wrote like a lot of really, really good episodes for that show. And she's a, she's a fantastic writer. No, the character development is really good. I was with you. I, don't, I thought the first season was pretty uneven. And I still have some issues with the show. But it's well done. Um, you know, I, I'm shocked that it's still on the air because it doesn't do well. But, <laughs> but she's, she's really funny. And she's, her book, um, if, if, um, um, if, you, if you haven't read her book, it's really, really good. I haven't, and I, uh, I probably won't, but I am married to a very short Indian woman, very <laughs> short, beautiful Indian woman. So there's a certain, I think, I think my wife relates to the show in like a special way because that, you know, her character has to deal with basically being Indian in a, in a world where she's surrounded by tall, pretty white people. Right. And not 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 to say Indians aren't pretty. Uh, Indians are gorgeous. Um, but she like there's a certain she she feels like a fish out of water kind of thing. And uh and she has to deal with that and I think that's uh, a point of relation for my wife and and by proxy me. Um which I think I think helped g- get me into it. But yeah, she 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 is a good writer. She really is. She's a really good writer. It's not yeah. going to hit like my pantheon of top 5 TV shows ever. No, it's it's not like a Parks and Rec, but it's it's really cute. It's far more watchable than I gave it credit for. No, it totally is, and 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 she's cute on it, and and the act, the, the, it's got good casting. I like it a lot better than the New Girl, which I know a lot of people really like that show, and I like Zoe Deschanel, but I don't know that she show gets just, tiring. She does, and the whole thing with her is is like she's so pretty. The, the whole idea of her acting awkward, it just doesn't work for me. I'm like, I'm like, you're so pretty. Like, don't even try to front this. Like, let there are there are so many other actresses who can pull off the 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 pretty girl awkward thing who aren't just stunningly beautiful. Who don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I will say that the bartender from the new from New Girl, yeah, is one of my favorite TV characters in existence right now. Totally, uh, Nick. No, not Nick. Nick. Is it oh Nick? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He he is he's hilarious. I totally relate to like all of, <laughs> all of his misconceptions about women and life in general. I can I can associate with just about everything he says and does. The speaking rest of the of your, characters not so much, but speaking of of, of your wife, uh, she was uh, quoted in a Mashable article that ran uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, she was uh, she was a large part of a, a Mashable article on dog fighting, and she was very. I think she had one quibble with one word <laughs> that kind of like it brought her down, but I convinced her that that's life in print and apparently blogging. Um, <laughs> like I had friends back in college. I went to college in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, I had friends who would get written up in what they called the city pages. Right. And the city pages was notorious for interviewing people under one pretense and then publishing <laughs> under another. Else. And just like they destroyed careers, like they would just t- they would take everything out of context and then reconstitute it into bald faced lies, and it was horrifying. And then people would still be excited. I got written up in the city pages, but <laughs> they developed such a bad reputation among honest people that <laughs> that it got to be like you warn people against even talking to them eventually, which is not the case here. I'm just. I'm I'm pontificating on the idea of one word being out of context. Um but yeah, she was really excited to be part of uh an article that was very fact-based and interesting. Yeah, and and it, it, she had a quote with the word but she could have emailed Eric. He's a very nice guy. I told her that. I told her it's it's a blog. You can change words. Right. I don't think she ever did though. No, because it was it was uh, funny because how that happened is I I happened to be on the subway with him. I don't talk to him that often and um he was mentioning that he was doing this video story about um, this woman who takes photos of pit bulls and tries to put them in a different manner. Was talking about rescues and and you know Is that the um, one that dresses them up like ballerinas. Yeah, because I like her. Yeah, and so he was doing like a video profile on her and then it's on some other things. And I was like, well, you got to talk to to my friend Brett's wife because this is what she does. And um, so I was really happy that that was able that they were able to talk. Yeah, me too. That was good. That was good. The, uh, apparently, outside of the tech world, uh, they don't link people's websites when they mention them. So I was like, eh, your name's out there. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean like a bolster traffic for a day or anything, but hey. 
Yeah, I, I I would have hoped he would have linked her her site, but I guess he didn't. Um, I, I unfortunately don't have any uh, say over that. But yeah, um, I although I could have gone back, I, I could I could have gone back in and edited that. But um, <laughs> and if you want, I can always go back and do that. But no, he actually even got to, he even did a he even did a radio interview for like some public radio station in in Florida over the article. Nice. So it got it got attention. Yeah, well, and I think, I mean, when it comes to pitbulls, there has never been more or better media attention than there is right now. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's all thanks to Michael Vick. Totally. I mean, Michael Vick was not a great person. He wasn't even a great dog fighter. <laughs> but he brought uh, Pitbulls and, well, the whole, the case that, that followed and the, the number of dogs that were rehabilitated and, and able to become family pets from that case, it, it changed the media perception of Pitbulls in general. And a lot of what us in the Pitbull community a tribute to our current success is due to Michael Vick. That's got to be kind of awkward. Like it's like it's good. It's like a good and a bad thing. Like it's like okay, great, we're getting all this exposure because it's a this silver football lining. player. It is, yeah, it's a silver lining. But it's also got to be like a great. What? It only it only matters when somebody you know famous. Oh, that's just fact. Everyone that's knows true. that. That's you know what, and 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 I'm glad you have such a healthy attitude about it because <laughs> no, because a lot of people don't though. A lot of people like don't have. They get like, all, I mean, like uh, 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 what's the word? Um, self righteous about yes, the idea exactly. that they've been doing the right thing here in the dirt for all these years, right. and one one celebrity you know makes a mistake, and, like, and suddenly it like, matters. <laughs> it's like yeah, actually, that's exactly what it means. It really is. You know, and I try to explain that to people sometimes the way we cover things and certain stuff. They're like, well, this has been happening for a long time. Why does it only matter when it happens to, you know, famous people? Uh, because it happened to famous people. Exactly. And I mean, that's it, the only it, way people care. The media caters to the demand. Exactly. And the demand is not to find out what Joe Schmo is doing in his free time. It's to find out what Joe Star, you know, Star or Starlet is doing in their free time. And, and frankly, like as a reporter, there are a lot of times where there's a story I want to cover and I have to wait for it to for a, a, a juicier news hook to happen to really be able to go into it the way I want to. Because if you just cover it, uh, you when need I'm a lead in. in it, right. Nobody's going to care. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and, and actually, it's funny because I, I wrote this. Um, I was actually really proud of it. It was something I wrote at the end of the year about how like, you know, 2014 was the year hacking became the norm and it was just kind of a, a an op-ed analysis just of all the hacks and all the things that have happened this year and and you know to the point that I think we've all become kind of at least I have kind of become like blase about the whole thing like I just expect that my information is going to be leaked and hacked and I just kind of expect that like, <laughs> my passwords are not secure and that like my information is not secure because it's just you know it is what it is but it's like all this time we talk about you know uh, the importance of privacy and the importance of, you know, a good passwords, the importance of all these other things. It's like, I can write hundreds of things about that. And I have over the years, but it's, you know, it takes like nude photographs of celebrities or, you know, big companies having their, their data leaked or other things for people to really start to look at stuff in like, um, a, a way where they're going, Oh, this actually matters. You know, I should actually pay attention to this. That reminds me, we have to go back to the Sony hack right now. Okay. The evidence against it being North Korea. Yeah, is pretty minor. I see to me it's compelling. Yeah. Like I I if you look at the evidence presented for it being North Korea, yeah. It's actually pretty shady. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like like North Korea it's not looking that compelling, but but outside, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and and it begs it begs the question why why would the FBI just come out and point the finger immediately at a country that we could very easily go into a cold or warmer war with? Like, why? Why? What's the motivation? It has to be more than promoting a movie. Oh, I don't think it had anything to do with the movie. I, I don't think, think that... the original hack did, but I think that the finger pointing ultimately may have. Um, I don't think, I think that might have been a side effect, but I don't think that it did. I think that, I mean, I think that the, the bottom line is they do actually have the capabilities to do this stuff. And, sure. and I've read some white papers on those things. Um, the malware did look very similar to the stuff that came from North Korea that was done um, against South Korea, um, um, the South Korean media. And, but and wasn't it banks. done by third parties under the employ of, of well, North that, Korea? Well, that's the whole thing. I guess that that's what they're trying to kind of figure out. So I could, I could, I mean, the only thing I could figure is that, 
I don't know. There, 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 there's either two things of thought. Either they, they spoke too quickly and they were either trying to rile people up against, you know, um, you know, for, for their own maybe, you know, uh, purposes for who only knows what, why they would mention, you know, the North Korean government that way, either maybe at the behest of Sony or maybe something else to say, oh, this is really serious. Or they've got information from other agencies like the NSA and the CIA and other places that are showing them conclusive proof that they can't talk about. Yeah, and that's a possibility. Um, I mean, so to me, those are the only two things. But yeah, but it certainly doesn't seem, I mean, and we've been skeptical of it, and security experts I've spoken to have been skeptical of it. But at the same time, no one's been of the, uh, has had has taken the you know position of, oh, there's no way North Korea could have done this. It's just seeming more and more unlikely. Right. Um, well, it's just, it's that the the case presented against them was so uh, faulty, Yes. To begin with. I mean, the list of IPs they provided had no conclusive No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, and that's the thing, too, is that it's, it's, you know, I, it's sad, but it's also, I guess, important that our first instinct is to distrust whatever the FBI says. Um, And, and, (laughs) and I understand, I understand why that, why that's the case. Um, But I also feel like, okay, whatever they're saying publicly has to only be a fraction of what they actually know. I would um, hope I, so. I would hope so. And I would hope that they would have more proof before saying anything um, and that they would, you know, have probably gained information in quasi-legal methods. Um, because of, we, we've proven in the last 20 years that war is no longer profitable to the U.S. Right. Like the idea of going to war to bolster the economy is no longer feasible. Right. So why would we, why would we carelessly try to start you know, or further if you will a cold war that's only go- it's it I just don't understand the motivation that's the problem for me is you know whether whether they have good sources to back it up or not they came up very publicly and immediately associated the whole thing yes with a country that's not it's not in our best interest at this point as far as i can see to develop further bad relations with um it's not in our best interest but it's also not in our worst interest no no i'm not i I wouldn't say that but there's no clear motive is what i'm saying right and i would agree with that and so that that's kind of interesting too which to me almost makes me think that sony was the one not to promote the movie but to promote the idea that this was a state a state sanctioned activity rather than their own screw up (laughs) that that i can that yeah makes sense um, so from that perspective, you know, I could see that maybe the FBI or maybe Cooper's working with them, you know, it like behooves the corporation to say this was a state sanctioned thing, um, rather than, um, just their own screw up, which could have been, um, much more damaging for, you know, political reasons to, to Sony, you know, not, not political, I guess, in, in, in the, the, the geopolitical sense, but in either a financial sense or from other things, from a lobbying per- point of sense, view. Yeah. Exactly. From a corporate sense. Exactly. You know, maybe, maybe that's, I mean, you know, because it behooves Sony for this to be a state section thing and not just, you know, some sort of internal thing or, or, or the fact that a they had lousy security. Exactly. Which is, you know. which is what several security experts are, are kind of pushing right now that, that there are certain elements of the hack that implied implicit knowledge of internal Sony workings. Oh, without a doubt there did. I mean, and when I was looking at it myself, and I've been saying that from the, for the longest time, I mean, I'm not a security expert, but I've spent a lot of time with these files. And to me, there's no question that there was someone on the inside helping them in some way, just because of the amount of information they were able to grab and the way that it was all organized. Right. They knew uh, what they were looking for. They knew um, where I mean, it was. They knew where it was. I mean, they were getting everything. I mean, I think that that, that the one I, I I don't know if they necessarily knew everything that they had. Not the, the what, but the where. Had. Exactly. That's they knew the how thing. to find it all. They knew how to find it all. They knew how to get it all. The the, the, the layout of the entire systems, the layout of the whole setup, the fact that stuff was organized well, and it was grabbed in a way that wasn't just like grepping the files, and then right. you got like. You know, no, no, you know, you know, it, it was done in an organized fashion, which to me, to have access to it that way implies that there was somebody at some point um, internally, you know, either in the past or, or current who was somewhat involved. I mean, I, I don't think I think that it obviously took an outside group to do it. Right. But I think but, that the idea that there wasn't any sort of internal, you know, or any sort of, you know, like mole 
is ridiculous just because of the amount of data they got and and the way that it was structured. You're right that it would be politically damaging to Sony to have that end up being an employee grudge. Yeah. But even more so now that they've pointed the finger at something as big as an entire country. Oh, yeah. If now it's proven that, oh, yeah, it was just that disgruntled employee, they're screwed. They are, which to me, honestly, I think the FBI is speaking out as quickly as they did and when they did almost makes it a guarantee that we're never going to find out the true story because I don't <laughs> I feel agree. like I don't I don't feel like they're ever going to want to backtrack on that you know right. what I mean and we protect the interests of our largest corporations that's we absolutely that's do what America stands for we do I mean and I think that also Sony is a Japanese company it would make a lot of sense for them to internally like from the Japan side of Sony want to push that this was you know state sanctioned thing from North Korea um because I mean they have I mean they still have such terrible relationships and fear of North Korea there, you know, that becomes a, a big part of it too. I think that gets missed with a lot of the discussion is that, you know, people in Japan have a very real fear of North Korea and that's palpable. Um, and it probably comes across through with the corporate, you know, structures, even, even with, a, you know, company like, like Sony pictures, um, entertainment, um, because that's still, I mean, the emails and everything made clear Kaz Ito is still running the company, you know, the CEO of Sony is still responsible for a lot of the stuff happening there. You know, he it, it's, it's not an autonomous operation at all. Do you think we in the U.S. should have a healthier fear of North Korea? No. Because to me, they kind of seem like they've always been the goofy bad guys. Like um, I, very Austin Powers kind of bad guys. They are. I mean, I think that what's scary is their relationship with China and their relationship with Russia. And the fact that, you know, if they can... They're scary in the sense that they'll do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. They are like the Austin Powers bad guys. Um, and they do definitely have capabilities to do stuff. But I don't think that, that we should be worried about them the same way that you know people in Japan are or anything like that. And I don't think the Japanese should be as worried about them as, as they are. Um, but they are scary in the sense that, yeah, I mean, they're crazy enough to actually, if they get you know their hands on enough nuclear weapons or whatever, they would actually push the button and, and, and you know burn stuff just to watch it burn. So this episode of Overtired is brought to you by PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone version 2. PDF Pen has new pro-level features so that you can do stuff you usually need a computer for while you're out running errands, walking the dog, whatever it is you do out there. When you do something important and life-changing like, I don't know, you decide to join a new podcast network, there's generally some paperwork to do for the lunatic who runs the place, and you have to send tax forms so you can get paid, sign a contract, all that stuff. You don't want to send unencrypted files with sensitive ID and bank account numbers all over them, right? That would literally be insane. Literally. With PDF Pen version 2 for iPad and iPhone, bam, you can add a password to your PDF right in the palm of your hand. As always, you can add text, images, and signatures as needed. You can also correct the text in originals in case someone misspells a name like Terpstra, which by the way is perfectly easy to spell. It's just like it sounds. So please stop torturing yourself by going to the computer when you'd rather sign your name on an iPad or an iPhone with your fingertip like you do at fussy coffee shops. So go to smilesoftware.com slash overtired to learn more about PDF Pen 2 and support Overtired. Now, back to the show. Extremely tangentially related. I uh, When we first watched Pacific Rim, yeah, we, we had our 32-inch our TV. I think I mentioned that to you. Yes. And uh and we decided we were going to get a bigger TV so we rewatched it this week. Pacific nice. Rim on the 65-inch TV. How was it? I I enjoyed it. It's I mean I don't consider the movie to be any kind of magnificent feat either visually or storytelling wise, <laughs> but it was I don't know, seeing it big cuz I never saw it in the theater. And seeing it big was uh it was it was kind of a treat. That's very nice. I was that I don't know why I think Japan and then Godzilla and then I thought of Pacific Rim. I think that was my train of thought that jumped from North Korea to to uh, Del Toro. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Actually, I can see that line of thought. <laughs> I can totally see that line of thought. So I prepped my wife to uh, you. You told me on Twitter a while ago that I better start watching Gossip Girl. Yes. And uh, and that we were going to be discussing it. And I have actually slated that in. And uh, and I have warned my wife that this will be happening. Yes. And we will be watching Gossip Girl because I need to have ammunition for whether we both love it or whether we are on opposing sides. 
But you mentioned in the notes that there's a Gossip Girl tech overlap. Bizarrely, yes. Tell me. So I found this out, actually, when I mentioned um, on my Twitter account, on the Overtired Twitter account, when I've mentioned you and been like, oh, I'm trying to get, you know, uh, Brett to watch Gossip Girl. A shocking number of our listeners have piped in and they've been very excited about the concept of you watching Gossip Girl. (laughs) Now, this is, is, I think, is telling for a few reasons. First of all, most of our audience is male. Yeah. I mean, you know, most of our audience is tech-based. A lot of them also listen to your show, Systematic, and and I'm aware of this. And so for the number of people that men, especially, who were excited about wanting to hear you and I talk about Gossip Girl, I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting. And I've had these conversations with people where I've found a lot of closet Gossip Girl fans. Well, today, earlier today, Mean Girls is back on Netflix now. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I tweeted something. I was like about how much I love Regina George and that, that I love her almost as much as Blair Waldorf, who's uh, one of the who's the hero, in my opinion, of Gossip Girl. And John Legere, who's the CEO of T-Mobile, who is my Twitter friend, replies to me, I, I tweet, I love Regina George so much, almost as much as Blair Waldorf. And he responds to me, Chuck Bass rules. And Chuck Bass is a Gossip Girl character. And Andrew Major, who is, um, uh, he's worked with Spotify and a bunch of other startups, and he's like a heavy nerd guy, he started talking to me about like how his his heart belongs to Blair, but he can't resist Serena. And I was getting a number of other responses from 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 tech dudes, and it's made me think that much as we've seen, you know, with Infosec Taylor Swift and and kind of the weird Taylor Swift tech crossover, I think that there's a Gossip Girl tech crossover. I think that's entirely possible. Watching, and that's watching the conversations that sprouted up, even when you first mentioned it, I think there is a bizarre amount of interest in a show that I didn't realize that guys watched without influence from <laughs> right. females in their lives. Um, I mean, yeah, no, same. And I mean, cause it's, it's, it, it's basically the OC, but in New York, it's, 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 you know, rich teenagers um, on the Upper East side uh, with all of their various dramas and drinking and sex and drugs and, and and richness and, and amazing clothing and richness and richness uh, and yes. so i'm interested yeah it's fantastic if, if, if your wife watches grays when she thinks you're not paying attention i think she'll like gossip girl i think she will and i think she would have the whole time it was just a matter of whether or not i would sit down with her and watch it right and now i'm i'm curious enough to do so another tangent sidebar yes um okay do you remember when that like twitter just complete twat uh, tweeted like he amassed his 165,000 Twitter followers against JetBlue. Yes. And and he he started a meme about Regina. Yes. And there was this backlash from writers, bloggers that didn't understand how Mean Girls was still popular at all. <laughs> how can it not be popular? Even I loved that movie from the beginning. Same here. It was. I such saw the theater. A, it's like it's instant classic it's heathers it for the next generation it is it's heathers um that they could actually make today because we, we, as we discussed before they would never be able to make heathers today no. ever never same way they would never be able to do fast times but no it's it's heathers from the next generation and in fact actually the director is the brother of the guy that wrote heathers oh really yeah that is perfect yeah that is perfect wow um okay. but no i mean exactly how people like 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 october 3rd is mean girls day because um, that's the day that Aaron Samuels like asked um, uh, Katie what day it was. What day is today? <laughs> October third. So like people celebrating Mean Girls Day. No, exactly. I, I, I but totally. I, I get. I, I remember that where people are like, why is this still popular? It's like, how is it not still popular? It's like it's like if if someone said that about Clueless, we would all beat them senseless for good reason. Um, because of course Clueless is still popular. Well, um, I mean Clueless had some like serious. Uh, like uh, liter liter what's the word literary literary creds you know yes. like Jane Austen kind of yes. basis and everything completely Mean Girls was more of a it was like a Saturday Night Live spinoff almost oh but it basically it, was but it but, did but it, it really smartly but it did it really smartly and and Rachel it made Rachel McAdams a star um <laughs> it was really funny when uh, they did um and I'll I'll find the link and put this in our show notes um Entertainment Weekly did a reunion for Mean Girls um, a couple of months ago. And it was really funny just to imagine, you know, they've, they've all done so well, except for Lindsay Lohan. Right. Um, they, they've all done really well. 
and I have a uh, soft spot for Lohan though because like I've been through about, yeah, I know, probably I know. the number of rehab she has and I get why she keeps messing that up. But yeah. yeah. No, and I get you and you're a good person. You're a better person <laughs> than me. I watched her own show and you know what you know when I lost you know when she lost me completely? So on her Oprah show, she basically is shown to be this complete screw up and, and she's, you know, moving into this apartment that Oprah's paying for and, and she's meeting with these life coaches and people. And then one of the life coaches like wanted to talk to her about how she was drinking and she was like, I don't want to talk about this on camera. I got like really upset. And then the life coach was like, Well, I quit. <laughs> and and she's really late for all of her calls. Like she's supposed to do some sort of episode of um a Billy on the Street and almost missed her cut. And then she was supposed to do some sort of photo shoot for like L indonesia or something and they're super excited and then she totally like misses the shoot and they're all speaking in 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 um in, in indonesian like talking about what a bitch she is and how awful she is um and, and, uh, and I, not, believe, I believe all that there it got to a point where i was disgusted enough times that i stopped paying any attention to her no, but here's the best part. Here's the best part. So this whole thing happens where she's like not showing up. She's like just like not letting people in. Like like her assistant quit and then came back and all this stuff. And then at the end, she like is talking to the cameras and she's like, well, you know why I missed all those days? You know what was happening with me? I was pregnant and I had a miscarriage. <laughs> and the way she says it, everybody's response is just like, <laughs> everybody's just like, no, we don't believe you. Like genuinely, I had like a girlfriend who pulled stuff like that all the well, time. Well, that's the whole thing, and like even the way she said it is just like you're like, nope, don't believe you at all in the slightest, nope. at all. And so my sympathy kind of like dissipates. It's like how many chances can one person have when they're marginally talented? Like, I'm with you Robert, on that. Yeah, like 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 she's not Robert Downey Jr. Like let's 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 not put her to that level. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. And he at least cleaned himself up. And then when he had Ali McBeal and he screwed up again and he lost it, that he like finally like went his final stretch and like he came back and like he's been clean for like 15 years. But and like he's freaking a great actor. He is. That's the thing. He's super. He's one of the most talented actors ever. That's why people gave him so many freaking chances <laughs> to begin with. She's marginally talented. Like watching Mean Girls again, she's good in it. But that is that is Rachel McAdams movie. Right. Well, that and it is her character. She didn't really have to act for that role. Completely. Completely. But like, <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, but like when I like watch that movie, I'm just like, yeah, you know, like that's why I said like I love Regina George so much because the character, she's just like, you hate her, but you totally understand why everybody wants to be her. Yes. Yes. Um, but no, I mean, they, they, they do the, the, they do the photo thing of them all together and they all look so good. Um, but, but, but Lindsay is like standing there with Tina Fey and Tina Fey is just kind of got this look on her face. Like you can just kind of tell she's probably like, <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. So I put that in the link, but no, but, but it's, but, but it's back on Netflix. Thank God. Yeah. Cause it was gone for like three months and we were all very upset. <laughs> Hardest three months of my life. I mean, I've got, it's like, it's not like I don't have the Blu-ray cause I have the Blu-ray <laughs> and the DVD, but I mean, there's just something about being able to want to have it there. So, okay. Yeah. So do you want to talk more about movies or do you want to talk about CES? Uh, we can just mention CES briefly. I'm not going. You're not going. I'm pretty happy I'm not going. I'm ecstatic I'm not going. I Last time I was there, I decided pretty much on the spot, I don't want to be here and I don't want to be here again in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's an interesting show and how it's changed. I mean, at this point, you know, Apple's never gone and a lot of the bigger companies are scaling back their investment tremendously because they're like Samsung's like hey why should we launch anything here we can have our own event and get as many people to show up and get like inundated with press coverage and other companies are like Sony's like we don't have a whole lot of money we don't really need to be here Microsoft's like we have better things to do so you've got a lot of these smaller companies who are there who are like why are you at CES and then you've got like a ton of car companies and that's interesting and all but it's just like it's a different show yeah and there's some innovation there but but there is but it's it's uh I mean it used to be like a thing like oh my god like as a nerd like oh I have to be there and this year I'm just like I'm pretty happy I'm not going right if my if my income still depended on you know being first on the spot to to find new things i might be more interested but as someone who was kind of last time i was there it was basically as tech support for engadget yeah and oh man i i, I think it's been a total of maybe 35 minutes on the show floor and the well, rest I mean, of the time was just in vegas which i don't like to begin with Right. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Most of the pitches I've had, most of the early stuff that I've, because I'm, I'm still writing stuff about it, even though I'm not there. Like, I haven't really seen anything that cutting edge. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are, are announcing things they've already pre-announced. You know, it's like 
I, I mean, maybe there's some kind of interesting robotic stuff. There's some interesting car stuff. I don't care that much about cars. I don't drive. So <laughs> Belkin has some cool stuff coming, and they keep asking me if I'm going to be a CES because they'll send me uh, advanced models if and only if I'm going to be there to talk to them at their booth. Which seems weird to me. Yeah, no, I mean, there there are some interesting accessory things. And, like, that stuff is always fun. Like, Mophie had a speakeasy last year, and I think they are going to have one this year, too. And Belkin does cool stuff, and um, there's some interesting robotics things. The, but, but ironically, like, the best thing I saw last year was the Oculus Rift um, um, Crystal Cove Edition. And that was in, like, a little meeting room um, in, um, like, they didn't have a booth. Like, it was just, like, a little meeting room area off the side in South Hall. And... Um, that was far and away the best thing I saw and that like they weren't even presenting, you know, and then Facebook bought them like a month and a half later. But like, that was the best thing I saw the entire thing was, was, was the latest version of the Oculus Rift. And that was spectacular. But other than that, like everything else I saw, I was just like, meh, whatever. It's kind so. of the, uh, it's kind of the Macworld convention on a much larger scale where it went from, exactly it went from a, like a, a hardcore community coming together with uh, producers of, of cutting-edge technology to kind of the place that you just had to be if you wanted stuff, and then shrinking back down to maybe a hardcore yep. community and lacking real innovation on the show floor. But that's like in the case of Macworld, that I, really, I, I only ever really went there because I loved the people. I loved it was totally. like the only time of year I got together with like you and mm-hmm. and all the bloggers and all of my favorite people. All my favorite no, people that I don't thing. live with, I mean. Yeah, and 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 CES hasn't really had that. You know, most of us we most of us in the tech press, at least the the US tech press get together, you know, every time there's a phone launch, you know? I love that last time I went, they put the Engadget trailer right next to the Verge trailer. Oh, that's perfect. That, that had to be awkward. awkward. <laughs> Yeah. I bet it was awkward. Because like, this hi. is this is shortly after the split right. when when tempers were still you know a little bit. I bet blood I was bet. boiling a bit. It was interesting. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, so I noticed uh, on here we've got um, the skeleton twins again, which is a movie we've talked about before. Did we? We did, but it's a good movie. How how did you, how drunk was I? I don't think you were drunk. This was like I don't know, probably twenty episodes ago. Oh. Really? Because yeah. I just saw it. I just saw it last week. Oh, for the first time? Yeah. I could have sworn we talked about it. I, I I don't know how that would be possible. But maybe you told me about it. Have you seen it? I have. Okay. I like it. Well, I, I, I watched it and I felt like it was the first time that I had really seen Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader be everything they could be. I agree with I that. I felt like the director just let them you know, ad lib and just be the characters. And I never considered either of them, especially good dramatic actors before. No, I mean, I thought they both had the potential to be, but it was one of those things. This was kind of like their equivalent of like a little miss sunshine, which is kind yeah. of what gave like Steve Carell, like his first like dramatic, like yeah. acting chops and, and the same thing for, for some of the others. Yeah, it was, it was totally, I'm with you on that. Like it totally worked. And, and they were good. I they really, were really good. All the way all the way up through the end. Like usually I'll enjoy a movie and I'll I'll criticize the ending. I'll wish that it had ended differently. This was perfect. This it yeah. it, it left open ends, which is important to me. Yes. I don't like everything to be tied up. I like the main story to be resolved. Agreed. Agreed. Like I saw like there's I I watched it. I've seen it a number of times. It's not a great movie. Um it wishes that it were. Have you seen um um, um Our Idiot Brother? I think I watched it. Uh, that's um. Hold on, let me think. Uh, it's the guy. Wasn't it the guy who was in? Uh, nope, nope. I'm totally mixing it up with something else. Who was? Who was the main? The, the, that's the Paul idiot Rudd. brother. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't done much good for a long time. Yeah, so he was in it, and um, and Emily Mortimer, and um, uh, Elizabeth Banks, in a really bad wig, and um, uh, Zoe Deschanel, and some other people. And yeah, it, yeah. It, it's. It tries really hard and it really fails because it ties things up like far too neat at the end. Like everything like kind of works out perfectly and you're kind of like eh, this. Which it, is it fine in made... a comedy like Anchorman or something. Totally. But... but it was one of those things where like it, it, it was trying to be kind of like this kind of like, you know, dark comedy sort of, you know, uh, it could have been like. A dramedy. 
Exactly. It was trying to do that. It was trying to be a dramedy and, and, and then, but everything just got like cleared up in like a really wonderful little package at the end. And just, it felt like they ran out of money while they were making it and then just decided to tie it together in a happy little ending. And it just didn't really work. Whereas skeleton twins. And you know what I think it was? I think that was that we linked to the YouTube video of them being interviewed about it when it was clear that the guy who interviewed them had never seen the movie. (laughs) Okay. Um, we might not have talked about the movie itself, but but I liked how Skeleton Twins ended. I liked the whole thing. I, I, I liked the film a lot, and I liked their performances. What kills me in movies like that is they so often employ the deus ex machina, where like the yes. machine of the gods, where they get so many kind of plot holes going yeah. that they literally have to have the hand of God come down and just fix everything at the end. And that is, to me, the absolute worst thing that can happen in a movie. And I would rather... That like skeleton twins, they just kind of they resolve the main plot line and let you wonder about the rest. Just let exactly. me let me imagine. Well, let, let me let me imagine this is actually real life and that things will resolve as they resolve. You know, it gives you something to talk about with your significant other long after the movie is over. Totally, and also, I mean, you know, if, if it really is kind of a slice of life film or whatnot, like you can kind of imagine, like, okay, well, life moves on now. You know. Speaking of slice of life, did you see Boyhood yet? Yes. Oh my God. I've did seen you, it. I've seen it a few times. It's so you, good. You liked it. I loved it. Me too. Um, it was. I love. I love Linklater. He's one of my favorite directors, like ever. And um, well, and this was amazing because it was literally filmed over twelve years. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, even without that, I think that it would have been an amazing. It would right. have been a great film. I but agree. With that, but with that added to it, I mean, like, because obviously that's sort of a little bit of a gimmick. You know what I mean? To a certain degree, sort of a little bit of a gimmick that you literally see Not these if you actors do it well. grow up. Not well, agreed. Because well, it's there are so many technical complications with that. No, and, and I'm not disagreeing with that. What I'm saying, though, is that that could be the sort of thing that you would, like, have as, as almost a gimmick to be, yeah, like... it would be your press release. It would be yeah. your press release thing. Like, oh, filmed over the course of 12 years, the most innovative da-da-da-da-da-da thing. Sure. You know, but, but, but even without that, um, it would have been a great film. But with that added to it, I mean, it just gave it so much more. And, and just to see that kid, to see that, that actor grow up... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so amazing. Well, and to watch the, like, it it asks so many questions about, like, single-parent homes, about alcohol abuse, about uh, uh, domestic abuse, things like that, that it doesn't try to answer for you. It doesn't try to apply moralism to it. No. It simply says, you know, these problems exist. This is how one person dealt with it and how they came out. And it doesn't answer every question. No, it, it doesn't. doesn't try to. It doesn't moralize anything at all. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, no, I, thought I thought it was, it was great. So, I thought it was so good, and and I loved like kind of the verite style of it. it. You know what I mean? Like it's it kind of the mixed sort of style of the of the way it was done because it was done over such a long period of time. Did you notice and, that the very earliest scenes, the 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 scenes where the main character is still a kid, that you couldn't really discern the difference in video technology. Like it no. was, it was fully like widescreen, sixteen yep. nine, and like the you could you could see a little bit more uh, noise in yeah. the shadows. Like I don't know, this is the thing that I I did after I watched it, but totally. But it's not stark. No, not at all. Which which to me is why this was such a good time for him to choose to do this because he's been doing you know like he did a lot of the rotoscope animation stuff with Waking Life and. With the scanner darkly and some of those things, um, you know, he's done and he's been doing independent film, you know, since Slacker, you know, since like you know, like ninety one, um, and he's been kind of on like the forefront of this indie cinema scene. But I think what's amazing is that Boyhood shows literally that at the at the turn of the century, you know, we were like good enough, and, and that the, the you know digital video quality was good enough um, that you could do remarkable stuff. You know what I mean? Yes, and that it's definitely. gotten so inexpensive. Um, and and that's one of those things I think that that gets overlooked oftentimes, you know. But yeah, the fact that yeah, literally over twelve years, the technology, it's certainly cheaper now, and, and parts of it are better. But you could make a movie that looks almost indiscernible, as you said, from one from one you know year to the next. So, uh, and I don't even remember how this tangent happened in my brain. But have you ever seen any of Hertzfeld's animations? Yes. Oh my God! I just discovered uh, such a beautiful day. Oh yeah, I, I, I had never seen this stuff. Like I'm familiar with uh, 
uh, there was a there was a cartoon. It was a a graphic novel comic book about um, a serial killer and his like doll Shmi. Do you remember this at all? I do. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but but that like my fondness for that particular series led me to try this uh, such a beautiful day on Netflix, and I was blown away. I've never enjoyed animation as much as well. It's not the animation. I mean, it's stick figures and bizarre film cuts, but like the storytelling that he does and the 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 almost like Douglas Adamsian way of looking at oh, things completely. was just amazing to me. I loved um I loved the animation show. Do you remember that? No, I'm not sure I do. It was um it was a it was a thing he did with uh, Mike Judge and um it was just kind of um uh like a like a tour festival of 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 like independent animated short films. Okay. And they released them on DVD and stuff and they had like different seasons that would come out. It was really good. Um everything will be okay. Um, I, I think was part of that actually originally. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, I I don't know if anyone hasn't seen Hertzfeld's stuff. It's I don't know. You you might have to be a little bit messed up in the head to love it as much as I do. Or and as much as I do, no, I I love his stuff. It was so good. It was definitely good. So this morning I come downstairs to my office in the basement, which is. It's a walkout basement, so give me a little credit. I don't work like in a dark dungeon. But so I come down and my Bluetooth proximity detection doesn't work and my lights don't turn on. So I'm fumbling around in the dark with my uh, coffee and my laptop and my rugged hard drive and my uh, 16 ounce glass of Soylent in like in my arms. Right. And I. So what, so what you're saying is that our, our dream of a connected home future is we're screwed when it just shattered all of a sudden this morning. Um, and, and ultimately like long story short, I ended up with Soylent all over my keyboard, my, <laughs> my trackpad, my pants, the floor, I even splashed a little bit on my Ergodox keyboard, which I was most upset about. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's actually a real mess to clean that stuff up. Now, did the goose stuff that you got for your brother-in-law, did that... It did, did actually. (laughs) (laughs) I I had my own can of cyber goo, and it was instrumental in in reviving my keyboard, which I did. Nothing was destroyed in this incident. And ladies and gentlemen, this is what we call a callback. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good times. Good times indeed. No, so so don't spill Soylent is what you're saying because it's a real mess. That's what I'm saying. Keep it in a bottle with a... I usually do have like a shaker bottle. Right. And it has a ceiling cap on it. But this morning I thought I'd be nice and go ahead and clean that bottle and put it in the drying rack and then just take my soy, my mixed Soylent downstairs in a glass. So many mistakes all in a row. Just Just leading up to... Disaster. My, we have this Bissell cleaner, though. Right. It's like, I don't know, it looks like a little R2-D2 kind of, I don't even know. But you, No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like this like little small cleaner thing. That, right. Yeah. yeah, and it just has like a hand vacuum nozzle exactly. that sprays and, and you carpet have... cleaner. And right. It was, uh, I love that thing. I've never used it before. I've never, like, it's always... Pretty much if an animal is going to urinate or defecate in her home, my wife feels responsible for it because she's <laughs> usually the one who brought it into the home. So right. she cleans it up. And this time, this was the first time that there was a mess that warranted the Bissell cleaner that I felt 100% responsible for. So I, I, I did it. And it turns out that thing's just a miracle. It's awesome. This episode of Overtired is brought to you by Backblaze. Support the show by going to backblaze.com slash overtired and sign up for the two-week trial. Christina, backup is important, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, the first thing is to make sure you're making backups of your computer. Say your computer was stolen or there was a fire. Guess what? Backblaze is only $5 a month for an unlimited, unthrottled amount of peace of mind. It costs about $5 a month, um, but it'll back everything up for you. Basically, we'll download a program to your computer and back everything up to the cloud. What's great about this is that you've got a copy in the cloud that you can then restore to a new device. Absolutely. Backblaze also has great iOS and Android apps. You can access all of your backed up files from your phone if you need them. 
Thanks to Backblaze for supporting Overtired, and thanks to NBC's Today Show for bringing you Christina Warren completely unlicensed and without permission. But what freaks people out when the ransomware takes over their computer is that they're going to lose everything, their records, their photos. Everything. And, and the reason is because they haven't backed it up. Yeah. Make sure you're making backups of your computer. It's $5 a month. Christina Warren is the senior tech analyst for Mashable.com. More on that on our next episode. All right. Well, it's uh, it's technically Sunday. It is technically Sunday. And so uh, have... it's cold, but I'm going to have a, a very warm, relaxing afternoon and evening by the fire now. Yay. You have big plans? Um, huge plans. I'm going to I'm going to finish watching Mean Girls. <laughs> Perfect. I will go watch uh, uh, Gossip Girl by the fire. I'm so excited about us being able to talk about Gossip Girl. You don't even know. We'll talk. We will talk. All right. Well, will Brett get some sleep? You too, Christina. All right. Bye. Bye. This system is going down low.